Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Well, I mean, how, how do you start talking about an episode that blew pretty much every fucking idea that I had what was going on out of the water? Um, <laughs> welcome back to the BS cast, everybody. I was going to do this really smart, knowing intro, and then I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I don't know what's going on anymore. I, I feel like almost every theory that we posited last week has blown up in our faces, Tyler. Um we we've both been right about some things and wrong about other things, and, and mostly wrong. <laughs> As <laughs> said, um, I, I think probably the the place to start off with, just so we can get the timey wimey shit out of the way, is talking about the fact that I mean, at this point, can there be any doubt whatsoever that the time stone theory has been laid to rest? Yes, I still. You know, my reasoning for that, and it wasn't something I was completely married to, but Mm -hmm. my reasoning for the time stone thing was because it looked like the building reconstructed itself and it looked very much like Doctor Strange. Yeah. And also, we just hadn't seen Loki do something like that before. Mm. So I was like, you know, it's maybe that's what happened there. Now, the other thing is. That's a little too subtle, I think, maybe for this show and <laughs> Marvel stuff. So I understand why, like, yeah, of course, that wasn't brought up at all. So I feel like that's probably not the case. But I still think it looked a lot like the Doctor Strange use of the Time Stone, which is why uh, I really went on on that theory. Yeah, and I, I don't blame you at all. Like, you know, I, there was that moment, if people listen back to last week's episode, where you said that. And there was like that awkward moment of almost silence from my end where I was like, Oh, he's got a point. Um, so- well, and then the other thing, the other thing too, is that like the big, because this was pointed out as well, and this was the big, I think, arrow in it, and why I wasn't so much like that's definitely what's going on, mm. uh, is the fact that you do hear him drop it, even though you don't see it, you do hear the sound yeah. effect of something dropping back in there. So it does seem like he doesn't keep it. So although uh, there was always, I was, I always had one foot in, one foot out on that one. Yeah, although he is adept at, although I don't know if he had his, no, because he had, he took his collar off at that. Point. Point. So he had his powers back. He is adept in making people see things and hear things that aren't necessarily well, right. The collar isn't the thing that stops him from doing magic. The TVA, you can't do any magic in the TVA. Well, we know Sylvie can't. I don't know if he can't. I don't know. Like, because that, that, that feeds into something that we're going to talk about. No, because he, tri- he tries, on. remember? When he's on trial? Oh, I mean, he's still oh, the collar on. But yeah, but he's got the point, collar but on. He, but they've. I thought they the made it clear a... that like you can't do magic in the TVA. Okay, I thought that the collar was the power dampening. It was also it was obviously the rewind and and uh, time controlling thing as well. But I thought mm-hmm. that it also had a component in it where it was like a power dampening kind of thing. But no, you're right because uh, Sylvie tries to use her powers when she breaks in at the um, at the end of episode two, and uh, it doesn't right. work. So. And then. Jumping ahead to this episode, that's why B-15 takes her back to Roxxon, because you yeah. can't do it there. Yeah. Okie dokie. Right, well, um, so we, we picked up on um, episode four, which is called The Nexus Event, uh, on Lamentis 1, uh, and this was the scene that we saw in the promos, uh, but it was heavily 
changed digitally. Yes. And uh, I'm kind of a fan of that, to be honest. I like them giving us uh, an idea of what's to come without showing us what is actually happening. So heavily disguising it in that way uh, really works for me. Yeah, I, I I do like people get I think sometimes mad about it, but I like that Marvel will like change their trailer footage up from the actual movie so that you mm. you know you can watch the trailers and still be surprised by stuff. They've been doing it for years, and yeah. this is a great example of them doing it. Just like you know, there's a lot of shots, and I, I'm sure actually in the next couple episodes you might see see more of it. There's a lot of shots of Tom Hiddleston doing things by himself that. Uh, we know now he was with Sylvie, uh, not by himself. So mm. it's interesting how many of those other shots uh, where it just looks like he's all by himself, he's actually not by himself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what they've been honest about, what they've not been honest about. And it's very fitting for a show such as Loki. Uh, again, going back to the fact that Loki, his kind of main power that we knew of up until this show starting was... Uh, deception it was one of uh, making people see things that aren't actually happening um so we so we start off as as i said um on uh, lamentis one and uh for all intents and purposes loki and sylvie are they're dead and buried like they can see the the moon splitting quite impressively into these huge chunks mm-hmm. which are crashing down on the planet's surface there's this massive tidal wave of dust coming towards them and um, they realise it's the end for them. And that there's this lovely tender moment where they just kind of join hands and this, this fucking kicks shit off. Uh, the, the name of the episode, the Nexus event, refers to this moment where there is the steepest branch that the TVA have ever seen. Uh, comes off of of this exact point in the timeline, and we're led to believe. Which mm. well, I just want to say, would not only is it like a super steep branch that comes out of nowhere, I think the biggest thing that is so interesting about all this, and I, and I'm still trying to, I, we certainly don't have enough answers at this point to mm. what exactly yep. is happening. Um, this branch formed out of an apocalypse. Yeah. Which can't happen. That's right. So whatever whatever happened in that moment on Lamentus One was so powerful it uh, overrided the fact that they were in an apocalypse that mm. it notified the TVA that of, of where they were because yeah. that's how powerful this Nexus event was. Whatever it possibly was, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, who knows? It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, although at the end of episode four would would maybe make you question it uh we'll get there though we don't want to jump all over the place with this one i i think we do want to try and keep on the straight and narrow a little bit with this episode um so because of that branch the tva are able to locate them two time doors turn up and uh they manage to uh be rescued and uh it's interesting that we go straight from those doors to seeing them being um frog marched down the halls of the TVA um and it's just I like the fact that Loki is genuinely it seems worried about Sylvie 
Um, and at various points, mm-hmm. they give you the opportunity to see that he does actually care quite a bit. And I think this is pro- possibly the first time that he has actually shown that level of uh, caring for another being. It is worth remembering that it's essentially himself that he cares about. And I'm not entirely sure where I stand on the whole love story between variants of the same person. If indeed, because I still... There's there's just a little bit of me that wonders, is she definitely a Loki variant? I know they say that she yes, is. She she definitely is. We saw her. We saw her being taken from Asgard, we, but we there's yeah. no confirmation there that she's Loki. Her, it's her. It's on her case file. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's just something in the back of my head. There's, I, I can't explain it, but there's something in the back of my head that's still pointing to the fact that there's there's something not quite on the up and up. I think, Even they've, now. I think they've made it pretty clear. They've pretty much laid out exactly what happened here. Yeah, no, they, they've laid it out. But the problem is, again, this series is all about leading you down the yellow brick road and, and giving you the wrong impression of what's happening. And they've done that several times already. And it still wouldn't surprise me if there was someone behind the scenes who, for whatever reason, I don't know. I really don't know. I can't explain it. Like I've been very upfront about that. I cannot explain this feeling I have, but there is something in the back of my head that is telling me that there is an outside chance that she might not even be a Loki even though the TVA are very uh, forthright in their belief that she is. I don't know. She is too. <laughs> yeah, she is too. But I, I don't fucking know. Like she, but then she keeps saying, don't call me that name. And I'm like... Yeah, because is she, she, she is, she's changed her identity. Yeah. The, the important thing, and if you listen to uh, uh, Kate Heron and, and the writers talk about this, which I, I do a lot of listening to what they got to say every week okay. uh, when they chime in with little things. Um, the idea here is like they are both technically the same being, mm. but their lives are so entirely different that it isn't really like loving a girl version of yourself. It's like, it is a different person. It's almost like Loki is seeing a more, a better, more impressive version of himself. Mm. And that's what he's falling in love with. You know, this idea that like, again, the idea of, of, of uh, that is being presented a lot in this show mm. is, uh, people's ability to change, um, so much of the idea of the TVA is, well, you know, and, and Sylvie in general. And, and we can get into this. I, I'm excited to talk about even that opening scene where they show her um, get picked up by the TVA because I think that there's so many. It, it, it's it's like I have like a bunch of different theories, but are, they're all kind of essentially very similar theories. It's just which and maybe they're all true, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like different ideas of of what exactly is going on here, but it's this episode really felt to me and I'm guessing just even based on the end credit scene where we're going here, it's, it's the whole show has very much been, um, you know, on, on the face, it seems like it's a show about time, but in reality, it's a show about self Mm -hmm. and 
looking into a, a twisted mirror of yourself and mm. examining your life and your choices, yeah. um, which is kind of fascinating, I think. It's still a little bit disconcerting. Like As long as there aren't babies involved, I'll be fine because by, <laughs> on a biological level... That um, does that. That would make it pretty weird. Although it does seem to me like, like honestly, just thinking about it, it really does feel like um, n- almost no different in general than um, like somebody who grew up in the same place as you, mm. but Sylvia has been on the run and and has lived such a completely different life from Loki that even though. Yeah the first several years of their lives were the same. The path diverged so much that it, it really is almost like a completely Yeah, no, I, I understand that, but I'm talking yeah. on a purely biological level, right? Yeah. That yeah. if we accept that a majority of the Loki variants, even if they are of a different gender, they are biologically still similar enough, mm-hmm. that, that does bring in a very difficult question um, regarding if if this goes in a physical direction you might as well be banging your twin you know i i have a feeling it's not so much that as much as it is a a relationship of two of some of two people Mm. who are have always seen themselves as as loners finally finding somebody else yeah to work with and relate Mm. to and 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 Finding out that you can do that with another person, not necessarily yeah. uh, have physical relations I, with them. Yeah, but like I, I think the, un- unfortunately Loki definitely looks as though he's going in for a, for a kiss. Uh, he does look like he's <laughs> very much smitten with her. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, it, it's it's an awkward thing, and, and um, I'm, I'm just interested to see where they go in the long run. Uh, that being said. I, we did skip over the very beginning of the episode and, and you've pointed that out. I'm glad that you did. The fact that we see Sylvie being picked up by the TVA, by Renslayer, actually, um, which yeah. I didn't realise until later on in that uh, opening. I was like, oh, wait, hang on, it's her. Um, and I, I guess the question that it brings up is, unless... Sylvie or Loki as I guess she was at that point unless she had literally just swapped her gender right being okay, a so different is- gender is not necessarily enough to to change the sacred timeline so there's a couple of interesting ideas here and I'm aware of one I, of them, I do go think, ahead I, I do think one of them is that I mean and obviously you know I have a, uh, a relationship to gender identity. And mm, mm. to me, I, I think it's very easy for me to see that as a, a lot of the wording in the show, although I don't really feel like this is something Disney would do. Mm. Um, the idea that the TVA literally decided that because, because Sylvie says uh, that she got picked up because she was born the goddess of mischief, that that was the reason why. Yeah. And you can make that idea that, yes, Loki was born as Loki and then decided in, in that moment around the time that the TVA picked her up that uh, actually I identify as a woman. And that was the thing that made the TVA come and pick her up, which I don't think Disney is going to do that. Although I do think no. that is interesting. No. Um 
There are two other things that in that scene that I think are interesting. I, I'll go with the other one that I think is is more unlikely, but I also think that you could play at a play an end of this show where it's both of these things are true. Um, if you watched uh, any kind of breakdown of this or something, uh, some people have pointed out that uh, you see her playing with a ship, mm. a Viking ship that has like, I, I forget if it's the red or the blue one, but one Viking ship is red and she's playing with the one and then there behind her is another one that's blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how, how, how minute of a detail is this that she played with the wrong boat? It was picked up. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, and it could play into this. Um, I, I think I, I don't know how much the gender identity thing is a part of it, but I do think uh, the theory that, I feel might have something to do with this is that um, Sylvie saw herself more as a hero than a villain. The whole playing uh, with the Valkyrie. She's uh, like, toy. right. She's yeah. playing with Valkyrie and, and, and is making a point of like, Oh, this is uh like uh, the good, good prevails over evil. Yeah. And if that knowing that the sacred timeline re- like revolves around Loki being evil to prove to, to, to push the Avengers towards doing what they do, how much of that is the reason why she was picked up? And I, and I do think even right away when she gets to the TVA, one of the first things she does is like sees that guy is in pain and she like yells for somebody to help him. Hmm. And so to me, I wonder how much of it is because Sylvie doesn't see herself the same way our Loki does as, as a villain and sees herself as a, as a force of good. Hmm. How could that have been the reason why that they, they picked I, her up, I feel which is interesting. I feel that's more likely. Um, yeah. Also, the, with the, the gender identity thing, I, I think it's worth remembering that they have been very clear that Loki is gender fluid. And that true, being yeah. that he's a magical being, I or, or they, sorry, are a magical being, yeah. um, <laughs> could it be possible that over the course of the millennia they have changed from male to female several times? And that that was just part of yeah. part of their identity anyway, um, and so that does feed into the idea that perhaps this version of Loki, the Sylvie version, yeah. did get picked up because she decided that rather than being the goddess of mischief, she was going to aim for something else. That she was going to have the, um, the the Valkyrie uh, as her mm-hmm. role model, and I, I think that's definitely um, a, an option there. There's another theory doing the rounds which I'm interested in. I don't know where I sit on it, but I find it interesting. And that is that the entire concept of the um, of the sacred timeline is just a massive lie. And that actually all they're doing when they come in and take people out of the timeline is cleansing the area of any knowledge of that person and that they're not actually clipping the line. They, they, they don't realise that they're not d- doing it because they're being indoctrinated, as as we already know. But Oh, the, interesting. So, so they're just kind of being... So that all of these timelines like, still exist, but they're, they're taking out the problematic people from those timelines. That's interesting. Mm. I'm, I'm not entirely um, sure where I sit on it, but it's an interesting concept, which means that the multiverse does already exist. Um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that that is an interesting idea. I certainly think that I'm trying not to to 
to theorize too much, although the, the question certainly has been asked mm. at this point on the show. But just after the whole one division thing, I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of like, well, who's really responsible sure. for this? Even though sure. it certainly seems like it, it certainly doesn't seem like Renslayer is the one behind all of it. No, which would have been like she, the twist of the last two shows was there. There have been we there, saw the the there have been clear moments where we, as the viewer, have seen her in uh, at points where she is very much she her guard is lowered like if she was putting up some kind of subterfuge we see her in moments where she could drop that subterfuge quite happily and she doesn't yeah. do it and so i think that I... she she is being fairly honest where she believes that the timekeepers are who they say they are and i gotta say this end credit sequence Oof. At the that is one of the most liberating feelings in the world because I don't think Richard Richard Grant's the big bad guy anymore. No, which is exciting because now that just leaves that that wide open. I don't know who, who it is anymore. <laughs> I'm excited about that, but we'll yeah. get to that in a second. We will do. We will do. Um, so now now that we've gone back and and covered off the the young Sylvie, uh, section. yeah. Oh, and the other the other thing oh, I want yes. to say about that too is I really like the way that you got the exact same. Uh, beats that you got of when Loki was yeah. visited by the TVA, but it is definitely framed like from a lower angle, which mm. makes it all feel yeah. much more scary and sinister than it did with Loki. Definitely, uh, where they don't play it for when, when when our Loki did it in the, the in the first episode, it was like, oh, isn't this weird? This is this is uh, mm. bizarre. It was comedic, but, it, it, right? It, and then it's it played much more it. sinister here, and it, yeah. it was great. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so they uh, they they both get taken back into the TVA and uh, separated. Of course, we don't see much of Sylvie during the first half of this episode. It's mainly focused on uh, Loki. And uh, this, I I couldn't, I didn't remember the fact that she was named in the cast or anything. Uh, but uh, th- this episode is uh sees a welcome return of uh, a a former member of the uh, the extended four universe uh, mm-hmm. because lady sif amazingly just turns up out of nowhere when loki is in a time loop prison um and mm-hmm. it, it's a memory of him having cut her hair off uh which is apparently based in actual uh mythology there is a story right. where Loki cuts off uh, Lady Sif's hair. Um, I love the fact that they've dug into real kind of like, I say real, mythology, and they've <laughs> pulled this one out and they've used it as the basis for for this. But also it's just great to see Jamie back in um, back, back in, in the four uh, clobber, so to speak. Um, she was missing from... Uh, the last of the four movies, uh, meaning that um, she got away with not being killed like the rest of the Warriors Three, which mm-hmm. I still and, think and is a the big rumors mistake. rumors are that she's going to pop up in uh, the next door, so she's still around. I hope so. I I do hope so. Um, but this was a nice little reminder that she is still around. Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. I was excited this year. It was. And, and this was a scene that was played for laughs, but also they ended up veering into real kind of tragedy because, again, it shows that Loki's nature is one of craving attention and doing things mm-hmm. to act out and that 
He never really thinks about the impact of what he does. And and this is a moment where Loki is forced to think about what he did and the impact that it had and, and to actually apologize. Uh, here's what I think, having watched this episode twice, mm. I think this scene is great. Yeah. Uh, and the, these, these sequences of scenes, because they, they go back to it a couple of times. Mm. Um, because I think, especially on the first pass, you definitely think, oh, the punishment, he gets beat up by Lady Siv over and over again. Yeah. And that's the punishment. But Loki makes a point of saying, oh, what is this, some kind of bad memory prison? Mm. And you and you think of, okay, well, he does he does say very genuinely, like, he does not want to be put back in there, right? Yeah. And you and the important thing is what is what Siv says. And not what she does, mm. Mm. which is that she says you're al- you're 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 alone. You'll always be alone, mm. and uh, that is the thing that is the punishment for Loki is hearing that over and over again because yeah. that is he even makes a point of trying to say like he goes he goes I didn't even think about this I went I I had a bath and I didn't even think about it anymore because it was just for fun but he did think about it all the time because this was a traumatic memory for him yeah was hearing that mm. and the one time in all of the loops that Siv does not beat him up is when he says it himself yeah and then she doesn't beat him up but I she's thought still, that was still uh, the second time him, around. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is actually really clever because that is mm. the important aspect of it. It's not him getting beaten up, which just like plays like, oh, that's all. That's clearly what's going on. Yeah. It's the it's the words. It's what she's saying that hurt him and has mm-hmm. had that profound effect on him. And, and funnily enough, like she's not wrong, because even when he finds somebody to be with, it's another version mm-hmm. of himself. So he's still technically all alone. It's just that he's all alone with himself. Um, But yeah, brilliant scene. I I absolutely agree with you. I think it's really well done. Uh, While he's going through this, we we do get a brief moment with uh, C20, sorry, B15, um, Mm -hmm. who uh, she has been struggling a little bit with the after effects of Sylvie's mind control. Um, she's had flashes of a previous life and um, she wants to know if that's for real or not. So she um, she goes in and uh, takes Sylvie off to, as you mentioned, uh, to Rock's cart, uh, knowing what she knows now that uh, the move moves into apocalypse uh, events can't be tracked. Uh, so it's good to see that they're learning from this and, and they're using that to their advantage. And um, there's it's a really... It's a lovely but heartbreaking scene where B-15 discovers what her previous life was and she sees that she was happy. And it's it's wonderful because she finally gets to know who she really is. But at the same time, it is heartbreaking because not only is she not that person anymore, but she's well aware that because she was taken out of her timeline, that means that to her knowledge at least, because we have talked about the possibility... Um, her timeline no longer exists. So the possibility for her happiness also no longer exists. And it's the more we learn about how this world functions, the the more it, emotional impact it, it really leaves with you when you see these things happen. It goes back to like what C20 said when they found her and she's like, I want to go home. Mm. It's so interesting. And 
and and you know with Sylvie not being able to go back either. Um, but I I think that there's this I, the reason why I think this scene is so great, and I really like the choice they made here, which was instead of showing you anything, they just let Wumi Masaku's acting yeah. tell the story, and she has played such a tough character this whole time. Mm. And like, when you hear her say like, I was happy or whatever, it's like really heartbreaking because it's so, she sounds so different than she has this whole show. She really feels yeah. like she's experienced something. Um, it's really, uh, really well performed. And I, I think it was a really cool scene because of that. Yeah, I, I agree. And and also it blew another one of my theories out of the water, which was that all of the, <laughs> uh, the enforcement officers were, violent criminals in their previous lives i mean she could be a violent criminal uh just just very <laughs> happy, just happy doing very lives. happy doing absolute <laughs> bits on people but i very much doubt that's the case um now meanwhile uh because this really kind of is like a bit of a free-handed episode because we, we've got yeah. uh moments with uh with sylvie we've got moments with loki and then we have moments with Mobius as well. And uh, it's something that Loki says to Mobius before he's thrown into time prison, where he basically says, um, you know, you he, he just comes out and says it like the TVA is lying to you. Um, and he puts that doubt in Mobius's mind. And I think he's already been working on Mobius in the way that he's led him to question authority, to break rules, to... You know, to to have have a talk in the cafeteria where there are posters saying no small talk, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and, and this is just like another example of Mobius just kind of almost to use the language of the show, branching off um from his own sacred timeline and and developing more of a personality outside of just his job. Uh, so he uh, Mobius decides that he's going to go and uh, have a celebratory drink with uh, Renslayer for solving the case. And uh, I love this scene because, from our point of view, we absolutely recognise that this is how Mobius interrogates people. When he's asking questions of Renslayer, he's not just asking friendly questions, he's interrogating her. And I think that's just a really cool angle to take with, with that relationship. Um, and of course, then he um, he steals the little uh, time tablet thingy, uh, swapping it with his own, and he discovers. We... Go go on. Right, I was gonna I was gonna say because we haven't mentioned this yet that that C twenty is dead. Uh, they claimed to be dead. Certainly, they claimed to be yeah. dead. I mean, as far as everything is telling us, it, 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 they're dead. But who knows if that's necessarily true. <laughs> I mean, at the end of this episode point. leads because a lot of doubt in my mind. Because the show has done very well, it is it has made us think things work one way, and then we find out later Absolutely. it doesn't. Absolutely. So yeah, no, you're right. Um, C20, uh, Mobius is told uh, when they come back in that C20 um, died from a mental breakdown, like the, the damage that Sylvie did to her mentally caused her to have a, a, a massive crash, and essentially she died of, uh, of, of uh, a mental breakdown. Uh, Mobius finds this recording where C20 looks completely rational and absolutely fine and then pauses it on the moment where Renslayer comes into focus of the screen. Something that I just wanted to mention about the presentation of this scene, specifically of the time tablet and the display, 
it looks like, like almost like a yellowish version of a Kindle. You know that like e-ink mm. screen that you can have, right? Where it's it's yeah. not LCD, it's 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 e-ink. Um, yeah, it has that kind of look to it, but in motion, and I really like that. I think it's a really interesting look design-wise. Like they've they've always with this show, certainly they've had a really cool idea of how the show could look and should look. Yeah. They've married the production design of this show has been so great. It's amazing. Uh, they they've married this kind of analog feeling of the TVA with mm-hmm. futuristic technology that somehow still feels like it's rooted in the past. And that's what something yeah. like uh, a, a Kindle feels like to me, especially if you're watching moving images on them. And I've seen a couple of Kindles hacked so that they could display relatively simple moving images. But it does have that kind of like um, steampunk kind of look to it, you know, like if time had diverted and and uh, John Logie Baird hadn't invented the, uh, the the TV or whatever the fuck. I can't remember my history. I think he was responsible for it. I could be wrong. Hmm. Um, like maybe we would have ended up going down this route where e-ink is like the big thing and, and that's what all displays are made out of. I just thought it was a really cool design cue, which I wanted to mention. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is where like Mobius is like... It was really cool that we saw that whole scene play out through the, the Tempad. I thought that was really neat. Yeah, because some shows would be tempted to show him looking at the Tempad and, uh, and then kind of cut to what actually happened. Um, right, but and this, we don't. We well, we got to watch the whole scene play out that way. It was really cool. We got to see it through his eyes, yeah, which which yeah. I thought was was really really nicely played out. Um, so Mobius at this point is like, ah, shit, Loki might have been telling the truth for once. So he ends up freeing Loki from his loop, and um, this is this is where shit gets real. This is where they go super well, heavy. Yeah, so like, I want to talk about one of the last great moments before before that next moment. Go ahead. Which is that uh, Mobius walks into the time uh, the time loop to to save Loki, and he's like, "Okay, if you're if you're telling the truth, if you're serious, I think you know we're, we're going to do something about this." And uh, they agree that they're going to work together to, to take down the TVA, hmm. and then uh, Mobius just goes. You could be whatever you want to be. Yes. Even if that's good. You know, mm. just in case anybody told you otherwise. Yeah. And then, like, Loki just gives him this big smile, and it's just such a sweet moment. It's lovely. It is lovely. Which also plays with the other thing, like, nearly in the episode. One of the most <laughs> uh, the most cutting cutting moments is when Mobius, is, he was like, oh, what are you going to do? You're going you to say another mean thing to me? And he goes, are you going to call me, like, uh, the king of backstabbers or something, something petty and lame yeah. like that? And he goes, no, I just was going to say you're kind of an asshole and a bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> That'll really cut him to the quick. So good, so great. <laughs> oh man! So uh, uh, you see, all of this laughter and fond reminiscing is just making it even <laughs> harder to talk about this next bit. Although I am hopeful I for for reasons that we'll get to. Yeah. So they come out of the time prison and they've been cut off at the past because Renslayer either never fell for what he did, or she discovered very quickly that he swapped pads with her, and um, they're here to put things right and. I love that Mobius tries to style it out. 
He's just like, oh yeah, I I figured that out that I'd taken the wrong one by mistake. I was just about to give this back to you. And she's just fucking merciless. She's just like prune him. And well, before right beforehand though, he does have that moment where he's the jet like, ski moment. I think he knows the jig is up, and yeah. he just says, "Yeah, earlier you asked me where I would go if I could go anywhere in the timeline. Mm. I would go where I came from, and I'd ride a jet ski." <laughs> now, it, this makes me wonder something, right? If this feels like this isn't the first time that she's questioned him along these lines and we've mentioned before about the fact that you know the the ring stains on the on the table and the fact that in the comic books mobius is one of a number of clones and i wonder if it's not necessarily that he's one of a number of clones but he's one of a number of different variants that were basically picked up by Renslayer and 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 essentially became successive analysts for her. And so the previous analyst that she's talking about, the other analyst on the side, if you will, is actually a, a, another variant of, of Mobius. And I, I am wondering, I, I do feel like there might be some play on it where, mm. yeah, in as you mentioned in the comics, there is a, a ton of Mobiuses. That's yeah. like a part of the of it is that there is all of these agent Mobiuses. And I, a part of me thinks that the show will in some way try to do that. Mm. It certainly seems that through variants, they would be very easy to do that. Uh, I wonder if it's the, the vibe I got, and this is, again, could be wrong. This is just was the vibe that I got from it. Yeah. Um, is that is, is how often has Mobius, I think it really is. It's it's Mobius and Renslayer, but Renslayer is constantly having Mobius's memory wiped yeah. so that he doesn't yeah. remember the snow globe or the pen mm. or the rings. But he has those are things that he has done. And every time and his memory is just bad because of how many times she's yeah. wiped it. And she and she, she questions him on stuff like that because whatever he he might remember something she needs to wipe him again, which him is again. why she asked him that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is the first time that he's done something which, to her mind, is is not forgivable, and that's why he ends up being right. pruned. Yeah, that's very possible. I mean, this was a big jaw drop mo- moment for me because it felt like, at the time, certainly it was. It felt like it was written in the stars that uh, you know, a million miles away, if you will, um, a message to the main uh, that he was going to get his jet ski moment at the end of the show and. This felt like such a brutal and unnecessary and mean-spirited way to end him as a character at the time. That's what's great. Yeah, at the time. That's what I really am loving about this show is that it it definitely has set up from the beginning that what is happening at the TVA is not something you can be taken as face value and and as straightforward. And so when... You know, so far in the show, we have seen people get pruned and timelines getting pruned. And we have said that, oh, they get disintegrated. They disappear. It seems like a horrible fate. And, you know, it probably is, you know, but I but I also think what we don't realize is what is actually happening. And because we have not been told that yet, this is a horrible moment. And so is the moment later on feels really bad. And then Mm. you get to that end credit scene and you go, oh, 
that is interesting. This is yet another aspect of this that we did not see coming. And yeah. there are more revelations throughout this episode <laughs> in the mm. last back half of it. I, uh, I, oh, uh, so, something I wanted to bring up. I guess this is uh, actually this might be we might not have gotten it yet. What were you going to say? Uh, no, you, you go ahead. I've, I've kind of forgotten, actually. <laughs> I something I think is interesting because they have they have done this a couple of times. Uh, again, you know, we were kind of talking about how Sylvie and Loki are very different people, even though they are essentially both Lokis. Um they have completely different power sets yeah. and abilities, and both of them are flummoxed by the other person's abilities. And uh, one aspect of that, which was foreshadowed in episode two, is that um, one of Loki's abilities, whatever, whichever specific element of his abilities, we see him in uh, in Rock's cart. Uh, he, they walk through the rain to get into the rocks cart mm-hmm. and then he magics himself dry. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know who can't do that? Sylvie. Sylvie. Yeah. Which is why when Renslayer walks in and sees that Sylvie is soaking wet, she knows that, that, uh, she's also been betrayed by B-15. Yeah. That's how, that's how she finds that out. And it's they don't draw attention to it, but I, I it was something again on the second watch I realized, oh because Sylvie is 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 wet she's like oh somebody else was in here something mm. is going on yeah and I really like that yeah it it really makes her out to be like you can tell that she was a great investigator because she's got that kind of mind that lo- logical mind where she can put two and two together she can figure stuff mm. out like she's no fool uh, which is a shame because <laughs> she's fucking brutal. Um, okay, so speaking of brutal, so yeah, we've we've lost Mobius at least for the time being. Um, Renslayer. Then th- this is the big moment where Loki and and Sylvie are kind of reunited very briefly, and then brought before the Timekeepers. Um, which we we've already seen the Timekeepers at the beginning of this episode, uh, very briefly. Um, which was a nice way to just confirm to us that, oh, shit, they're real, or at least we thought they Mm -hmm. were. And then we get this moment where Loki and Sylvie are in front of the timekeepers. It looks like their number is up. And then out of nowhere, like a badass, like a boss, B-15 just rocks up and just chucks the machete overhead towards Sylvie Mm -hmm. and then gets beaten down like, like a fucking dog. Um, but she did the right thing, and we just get another one of these. I, they're gods. They're fighting humans, as far as I can tell. They're just regular humans. Um, it, it, we've talked about it in previous episodes. We don't need to go over it in great detail, but um, it's another one of those action scenes where they punch people a bunch of times, and I never really feel like they're in any great danger. And that kind of works in its favour in this instance because <laughs> they beat everyone down. Um, there's the big reveal moment where the timekeepers are speaking to Sylvie specifically, but to her and Loki, and they're kind of trying to talk her down. They know what's coming because she throws that machete at the middle one of the three androids, the one that everyone keeps talking about as being 
Kang, or at least a, mm-hmm. a representation of Kang, chops the, the, the fucker's head off, clean Great. as a whistle. Amazing. Brilliant aim. I, it was such a cool moment, it even was. though, like, immediately, you know, it's the next twist time. But yeah. that moment where she gets the head off, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they go hard in this episode. The back end of this episode is properly, like, hit after hit. And, yeah. uh, like, this is the moment where we realize that um, Kate Heron and, and Eric Martin are obviously big uh, Army of the Dead fans because everything has to have androids in it now. Uh, <laughs> including <laughs> including zombie movies, because it turns out that uh, the timekeepers time <laughs> the timekeepers are the Wizard of Oz, and there is someone behind the curtain. And we were talking a few episodes ago. I mentioned briefly the idea that Miss Minutes might be this kind of man behind the curtain subterfuge, and I'd name checked the Wizard of Oz, and I never expected for it to be such a a catch term for what's happening now but i'm glad that they are going down this route where the people of the tva are quite clearly being led by subterfuge and by somebody that doesn't want them to know who is actually in charge and i think that brings up interesting questions about who actually is in charge Right. I, I definitely don't think Renslayer is in charge, but no. I do think Renslayer knows what's up. She, and... like, like we said at the beginning of this episode, like she shows enough moments of vulnerability during moments where she, for all intents and purposes, feels that she's alone. We see her in those moments, and she's still vulnerable. She doesn't act like someone that knows that secretly she's actually in charge of the Timekeepers. Right. Like she looks fearful. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. And then... You uh, you also have the fact that I think one of the coolest parts, just the the image of it, is you have this badass moment where Sylvie cuts the head off of the of the middle robot, but then the other two robots start laughing maniacally before they like power down. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, and it really does play as like whoever is in charge is like you idiots. You thought you got me, but you didn't get me, <laughs> and it's pretty great. Oh man, I, I'm really looking forward to the big reveal. Um, we'll, we'll have a little mm-hmm. bit of a um, a theory corner at the end. Oh, pardon me, I've got a few hiccups going on here. The excitement is too much for me, Tyler. Um, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a theory corner at the end of the show where we'll um, throw up just... Because I've not um, warned you about this pre-show. This is something which is pretty much happening live as I think about it. So I've had not had much time to think about it either. But if, maybe we'll throw up a, a, an idea each for who we think might be the man or woman behind the curtain. Um, or the non-binary okay. person behind the curtain. Um but we'll get back to this right now because uh, they're just... Sylvie picks up the head of the, the middle of, of the three timekeepers and is looking at it, and they have this brief look at each other where they're like, okay, so someone else is behind all of this then. These aren't the people in charge. And then in a moment which I mentioned before, we've had so many of these fight scenes where you don't feel like they're in any real peril a moment that hit me in my fucking heart. Loki starts disappearing from the middle out, and you hear the noise of the of the stick. And it's, really well done. It's Renslayer. She's done Loki, and not only has she done him, she's stabbed him in the back. Um, and Loki is undone by his own uh, special move. 
so to speak. And it's just as much as my chin hit the floor. He stabbed in the back. Yeah. As 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 much as much as my chin hit the floor when Mobius was pruned, and it did, it absolutely did. The moment that Loki started disintegrating, I had so many thoughts rushing through my head. I was shocked. I was stunned. I was disappointed, but I was also really excited because this is the fourth episode of a six-episode sprint. <laughs> And they've just yeah. killed off their main character, but they've not really because Sylvie is also the main character. And right. I was like, oh shit, is this a torch passing moment? But then in the back of my head as well, I'm thinking, well, what about the Nexus event at the beginning of the show? That's completely wasted if you kill him. So right. I had all there, of there's... these conflicting emotions going through my head, but it, I didn't have time to think about it all before we, kept, we moved on. Right. So much is happening so fast at the end of this episode. And I think that it 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 does play really well on your expectations of, of what's happening. You mm-hmm. knowing that, oh, there's only two episodes left. Uh, Sylvie is enough of a main character where if the show did continue with no more Tom Hiddleston, you wouldn't be shocked. But at the same time, in the back of your head, you're also like, well, also like, like the show does such a good job of convincing you that when you get pruned, you are gone for good. And then you see Owen Wilson, which is sad, and then you see Tom Middleston Loki, and you're like, oh, no. Mm. Like, what is going to happen? And you think you're going to have to sit with that for a full week, but then, you know, Sylvie beats down Renslayer. Renslayer says, just prune me, which I thought was fascinating, and then she's like, no, you're going to tell me everything. Yeah. And then we get credits, and then we get the We get what we get. Renslayer is clearly still fearful of whoever mm-hmm. is in charge, despite the fact that she's just, you assume she's just learned herself that the timekeepers are not actually the timekeepers. So maybe she knows slightly more than she's letting on. Maybe she's fearful, not because she thinks she's going to see the timekeepers, but because she, she knows who is actually the power behind the throne. I don't know. Yeah, it could be either one. It could yeah. be. And, and maybe that will feed into um, your guess or my guess when we get to the end of the episode. But yeah, we, we mm. I, I think everyone wants to hear us talk about that mid credit scene. And I, I'd seen some memes up on Twitter. I hadn't seen any spoilers. But, you know, I, I saw some memes that were just like, you know, my face at the end of the episode and then my face at the mid credit scene. And it was like, sad boy. Ooh, happy boy. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a good mid-credit. And boy, was it. I This this delivers yeah. on so many levels, and it leaves me asking so many questions. But the big talking point is essentially the fact that Loki is not dead. He was, he was pruned, but he wasn't killed. And this brings up questions, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, mm-hmm. to, to speak about what actually happens, he wakes up in a post-apocalyptic New York, we know that because Avengers Tower is in the background and he is awoken to uh, a scene very reminiscent of the very beginning of the first episode where we get the replay of 2012 Avengers where they're all standing over him with you know Hawkeye pointing a bow and arrow at him <laughs> except this time he is greeted by the um by by the view the voice of, of but well by the voice of Richard E Grant but also right not just free lokis there are four Lokis here. 
And one of them is classic old man Loki in an outfit that is very much the original outfit from the comic books. Right. And and bravo to whoever's idea it was yes. to put Richard E. Grant in that costume because Fantastic. my god, is it funny? <laughs> and I tell you what, the the guy the guy is put together for a man of his age. He is in superb shape. In my head, the whole time when when you were like Richard E. Grant is going to be in Loki, <laughs> I have my head. Oh, he's going to play he's going to play a super sinister version of Loki. Yeah. He's going to be stunned in a suit. He's going to be badass and then yeah. he put him in the goofiest ass <laughs> comic book costume in the world and it's and I so love it. funny i love the fact <laughs> i love the fact that because we're dealing with variants of loki that they can right. go this stupid with the outfits now they could even and, and you know what i they have never done anything specifically like this before i will lose my mind if yeah they call him classic loki he's in the classic loki costume he's an old man if they go this is earth 616 loki this is the (laughs) comic book loki that would be really cool (laughs) oh man i mean that's not the first i do think that would be really neat (laughs) that would be cool that wouldn't be the first time that they've referenced the 616 universe either uh, well, it would be the first time that we saw, like, literally somebody was oh, like, absolutely. I, yes, I am from the comics. <laughs> absolutely. I'm just flexing my knowledge muscles a little bit by pointing mm-hmm. out that in For the Dark World, um, Professor, Lund- is it Lundstrom? I can't remember his name. Um, anyway, the professor, the nutty professor, he's got this whiteboard, which is absolutely covered in writing. And one of them is the number 616 surrounded by a circle. Um, and and it was just like a nice little nod to uh, the six one six universe. I, I I don't know how many people caught it, but I I noticed it one time when I was rewatching for the Dark yeah, World. Yeah. Don't know why I was rewatching it because it's for the Dark World, but you know <laughs> someone's got to. Um, but yeah, so we we have old man Loki, we have boastful Loki on the left hand side who looks like he's some very kind cool of design. very cool design. He's got a hammer, which. Is that some kind of hybrid of Thor and Loki? Is it Loki who took on the mantle of Thor after his brother passed? I don't know. It is a cool-looking hammer, though. It's a cool-looking hammer. It's very steampunk again, like, you know brass and steel and it looks like it looks like the hammer is made out of like a piece of railroad it's very cool yeah yeah i i love the design of it and we've seen a very brief clip of prideful or is it prideful or boastful for boastful boastful uh loki um in action uh so we know that he is going to be doing some punchy punchy in a later episode, probably next episode, actually, because we're we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, in the middle, we have young Loki or boy Loki, kid Loki. I think is the official name, actually. Yes, kid Loki. Um, good look, solid look. Uh, not my favorite, but not my least favorite by any means. And um, th- this, I fucking love. I absolutely love this. So some people might be aware of. Um, there being a frog version of Thor. I'm not joking. There is mm-hmm. there is a frog who picked up Mjolnir and or Mjolnir and was imbued with the power of Thor, and he was called Frog, spelt with a th, if I'm remembering correctly. And he had a Loki counterpart, and that Loki counterpart in the books wasn't a crocodile. 
but I suspect that this might be their version of um, of uh, four uh, of Frog Four, um, the the Loki version thereof. And if it is, then there is a possibility that we could get Frog Four in the future. And I'm all about mm-hmm. that. Stupid versions of four. I am. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all the way in. But uh, there, there's been rumors that that he appears in Thor four as well. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I would love that. Um, I mean, it's a Taika Waititi film, so you you tend not to rule if he's anything. He's going to show up somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know what? He will absolutely nail it as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, that is the big mid credit scene that everyone's talking about. The questions that this brings up are many, are many, myriad and many. Um, the the first one that jumped to mind straight away is, is Mobius still alive? Is he in some kind of weird holding reality where ev- every version of him gets sent? Do they all get sent to the same reality or do they have their own little pocket realities? See, that's the question. Yeah. I say yes, absolutely he has been transported to another place like that and is still around and we will see him again. And I, I don't think he's gone from the show. Mm. The question is, are they in the same world or are they in their own separate worlds? Because I, what I believe is I, I do not share the observation. Well, not the observation, but the, the theory that he is in a post-apocalyptic New York. I believe right. that they are in a place that where things that are pruned to get dumped to. Oh, good it call. Doesn't, it doesn't transport, it doesn't kill you. It transports you to like a space outside of time, somewhere that you are stuck. And that it just does that with everything that they have ever pruned, that which would include a, buildings. That is a good So call. that is why yeah. that is. Now the question is, could it be a pocket reality where it's just, loki's like and and loki related prunings that is that has caused this which would make sense with new york like um but that would explain why it could be just a bunch of loki's and then maybe owen wilson gets sent to one where it's all his shit but i do think that's i think that they (laughs) right there is there is this is a, 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 a tad bit of a spoiler there is trailer footage that has been released that is like blinking you miss it trailer footage mm. of uh of uh mobius driving in a car at a big empty like location that's covered in grass like this where you can see both um uh i believe you can see in the shot the sphinx and stonehenge oh man okay yeah, so, so that I does, do think that yeah. they are trapped somewhere that where would they make were. Sense. That's something that is happening. Whatever yeah. it just the question is, is is Mobius by himself? Mm. Is he in a different location? Are they in the same place and they're gonna have to try to find each other? I don't know. It's gonna yeah. be interesting. But uh and then that also plays into the whole plebeius thing, which is a which is an arcade machine that's behind that like President Loki mm-hmm. uh variant. There is this plebeius machine, which is like this old um, uh, urban legend about this about this machine that was like an arcade game in Seattle that like you know controlled people's minds or something. Uh, but the fact that that is there, along with some other things that are kind of in those shots, that this seems to be some kind of dumping ground where when they prune things um, 
or when they like set those re those charges that that is where this stuff ends up because we see every time they do it yeah. those physical items disappear and i think that they have been transported to this location wherever this happens to be that is so, a good uh, that's pull. my theory that's a good pull especially because i've yeah. not seen that trailer yet i tend to try to avoid the trailers wherever possible mm-hmm. um just because even though we've praised marvel at the beginning of this episode for playing a, a fair amount of jiggery pokery to keep their trailers um as spoiler free as possible but still quite entertaining and uh, something that will get you really interested and excited for watching their shows Uh, I'm still definitely afraid of them just doing a terrible job with one trailer that just completely ruins everything so I I tend to avoid them wherever possible but that's a really good pull especially where you notice Stonehenge and the Sphinx because that makes perfect sense and it's literally it's such a it's such a blink and you miss it thing and that it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, so he'll be back, and and it mm. does seem like wherever he is is similar. Maybe yeah. that's the end credit scene of this next episode, and like Loki spends the whole episode with other Lokis in some alternate world, and then mm. there's an end credit scene where it's like, oh, and Mobius is still alive or something. Now, yeah. but so, uh, I'm excited to see what happens in this next episode. Yeah, and and also like we still don't know exactly what that Nexus event is going to be. Like, is it mm-hmm. two Lokis coming together and working together? against the TVA? Is it two Lokis being uh, emotionally involved to a point where they're able to either physically or maybe through magic create some kind of being that can completely take out the TVA? It could be a junction of their magics together, which are the perfect combination. You know, there are so many different things, but they've the fact that they call it the Nexus event, the fact that they show us that it's the steepest curve for a Nexus event that they've ever had, that to me is is indicative of the fact that we're, we're not done with that, that we're going to revisit that particular plot thread. Um, and the fact that, you know, this mid credit scene leaves that on the table. It brings it back into play. Very, very excited by, um, by that mid credit scene, and I'm very happy that they put it in there because... On the one hand, I was really excited by the concept of this is the show that launches Sylvie as the new Loki, you know, Um, and that going forward in the Marvel MCU, she is going to be Loki and uh, Tom Hiddleston has retired and, and, and moved away. Not that I want to see no more of Tom Hiddleston because I absolutely love him. I think he's superb in the role of Loki, especially. There's there's a couple of interesting things that I have heard specifically Tom Hiddleston say that I think are interesting. Mm. Um, And it's one just hearing Tom Hiddleston talk about the preparation for this show and playing Loki. I do not think that and the fact that there's a second season of this show uh, already in development. um, Yeah, that he doesn't he will want to play Loki forever. I think he I loves this so. character. He loves the MCU. He loves being a part of this. Mm. It just seems the fact that he spent days and days and days teaching everyone a part of this show, <laughs> like what, like, you know, like Owen Wilson said that he spent days with Tom Hiddleston, where Tom Hiddleston explained every aspect of the MCU to him because he didn't 
know it very well yeah and and that he was very patient with him as a teacher and taught him everything and there's jokes about him doing symposiums for different for for loki and stuff like that (laughs) i think he loves this character he loves this part and he loves playing it i don't think he would give it up for the world but he also said uh something along the lines of sofia di martino's uh sylvie um yeah, uh, becoming a part of the MCU in a big way or something like mm. that, which makes mm. me think that she will also be around yeah. in the future of Marvel. And I think that's exciting too. So, yeah, absolutely. And it would make uh, sense if... Both if interesting details. Yeah, it, it would make sense if he's sticking around uh, as Loki, which I'm very, very happy to see him do. So don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I like the fact that if he was going to be handing it off, this would have been kind of like the perfect way of doing it. Um with him sticking around from the sounds of it, like I, it makes perfect sense as to why they've established um, uh, Sophie Di, Di, uh, Martino's character as a completely separate entity almost from Loki to the point that mm. they've given her the name Sylvie. I imagine that long term she will be known as Enchantress, even though that's yeah. not technically like how Enchantress is. But you know they've done this before where they've played around with uh, origins. Um, it it works. It really does work. And like for a fourth episode of a six episode show, that is a really strong ending. That that final run mm-hmm. of about fifteen minutes from pretty much the point that Mobius gets pruned. That is just top flight TV. Like I I genuinely did not know whether up was up or it was down by the time that show <laughs> was finished. Because they just completely, there were so many revelations, but somehow it didn't feel rushed or forced at all. They've done a really good job of pacing this out. Um, have you got any other big thoughts about this episode before we get into Theory Corner? Uh, just something, it's been about the whole show, but it was, I felt particularly uh, big in this episode. Um Natalie Holt's score for this show is really yes. great, mm. and I am absolutely loving her use of the theremin in the score. Yeah, <laughs> rules. Yeah, and it, they went lovely. hard on the theremin in this episode, and uh, I just wanted to point that out that I thought that was it was fun. They, I, I felt like it happened a lot. Usually, it'll be like one scene's got some theremin in it, but it seems mm. like there's a lot of theremin this week, and I, I love it. I think the theremin's really cool, and it yeah. adds a fun layer to this score. That, um. The record that Renslayer is playing in the office is an actual recording of, um, I can't remember now, I think it was Screen Crush that gave it the name check. Um, so I, I would recommend mm-hmm. people check out Screen Crush anyway, because they do a pretty good job of um, of, of uh, breaking these things down. Um, but uh, so, th- so this is an interesting thing uh, that I learned from listening to, to Katie Heron uh, talk to Vanity Fair hmm. um, and their podcast uh, this week. So... When so Katie Heron is a is a big theremin fan and enthusiast. And right. when she pitched being a part of this show, she actually brought a theremin and played the theremin as a part of her pitch nice. for the Loki TV show, <laughs> which helped her get it. That's awesome. And then post pandemic is when they hired somebody to do the score because they didn't have anybody to do that while they were filming. And so they they uh, were trying they were taking pitches from different composers about who would compose the score. Yeah. And when Natalie Holt showed up 
to uh, to pitch her comp- her composition for the show, she was like, "I'm gonna go heavy on the theremin because yeah. she's a theremin girl as well." Nice. And Katie was like, "I want her. Yeah. I want the theremin girl. 100. I I want the theremin <laughs> girl. I want doing the score. I want the theremin girl that told him off of the X Factor to go fuck himself. I absolutely yes. want him. Uh, her. Sorry." Not yeah. only yeah, not only does this score rule, but the fact that there's there's footage of her throwing eggs at Simon Cowell is amazing. It's great. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's more yeah. than I could ever hope for. Um, but yeah, like the the fact that they've uh, managed to work so much of the theremin in there, but then they've actually found that recording um, of a. I I really wish I could remember who it was that recorded it, but the record that's playing in Renslayer's office when she's being interrogated by Mobius. Um, that is a uh, an actual recording from a recording artist from years and years ago. Um, but then they've complemented that with the use of the theremin throughout the rest of the show. Funnily enough, you mentioned music. And there's been something that I've meant to say since episode one of this review uh, series that we're doing. The Loki theme at the beginning of the episode is so Kubrickian. Like, that is Stanley Kubrick to the nth degree, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but there is a severely clockwork orange feel about that opening theme, and I'm here for it. I absolutely love that opening theme. It's epic, it's pared back, it's short, it's everything that you would want from an opening theme. It's super catchy, and I, I find myself humming it a lot, even though it's just you know a couple of notes over it's, and over it's, again. It's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, is there anything else that you wanted uh, to to mention uh, before we get into uh, our theories? No, let's get into it. Okay, right then. I don't have a jingle for this, so we're just going to go, Theory Corner! This is where we have theories <laughs> that die the next week. Uh, so... <laughs> I might just clip that and use it for the next couple of episodes. Uh, welcome Perfect. to Theory Corner. This week's Theory Corner, uh, I, I've just made this segment up on the fly. I don't even fucking care. Uh, we're going to be giving our number one guess as to who is the man, woman, or non-binary person or alien uh, behind the curtain. Uh, who is the power behind the timekeepers? Tyler. What's your guess? It's really hard. Um, it's really hard for me to not say Kang the Conqueror. <laughs> I know, I know. And and a part of me just uh, a part of me doesn't want to say that because a part of me doesn't think that's what's going to happen. Mm. Um, I don't. I here's what I'll say. I'll add on this. I do not think Jonathan Majors is going to make an appearance on this show. No. Um, I just feel like there is this um th- th- i have i have th- th- really two options right now as of right now and kang is one of them and i'm and i'm nervous about kang because kang feels so much like mephisto in one division <laughs> it's like <laughs> and now the difference is that we do know that kang is coming yeah um but the fact that ravona is there and that there's a connection there and that we know Kang is going to be coming very soon. Um, it just, and this feels like a very Kang scheme. Mm. 
and and this one doesn't make as much sense, but just based on the on the theme of of the show, I, a part of me also thinks there's a Loki behind all this. And <laughs> the, now, now there's two. Here are the two evidence that support that. Yeah. One, the thing that I think is a is is maybe not so uh, Loki ish about all this is that the TVA is very much anti Loki. It is very. Um, authoritarian well that that's loki i mean bureaucratic which is very unloki like i would say mm. um and very rigid and very strict and very rule heavy very different than than loki's whole vibe and loki's whole thing is chaos and tva is like the opposite of chaos that said all of the trickery that has been happening with the TVA, I could definitely see some uh, a Loki variant. Just the whole idea of what the show has been about, I could see it being a Loki variant. Something that was pointed out, I believe, I believe in a new Rockstars video, which I shrugged off immediately, but then have been thinking about it since then as mm. as something that might be important. Um, they pointed out that inside the Timekeeper's chamber. It does look like ruins from WandaVision are surrounding that chamber. And that would make a lot of sense. And it would explain why there's no magic in the TVA. Uh, outside of the magic that is being done by the TVA. But as we yeah. know from WandaVision with the runes, the per the magic user who casts the runes can still do the magic inside. Mm. It's everybody else yeah. who can't. And Loki is a magic user. So there's a possibility that Loki would know that and would use that to their advantage. I think that might be too reading too much into it, but I do think that that would make a little bit of sense. So, so yeah. I'm a part of me thinks it's it's one of those two. It might be something else, uh, but those are like my two theories. I think right now. Do you know what you've you've pinched my serious theory because I I have this feeling that there might be a Loki behind all of it as well. Um, mm -hmm. I have less of a, uh, a, lo a logical reason for it, and it, it's more of a gut feeling. But, like, the entire concept of the show is variance. Uh, mm -hmm. It's all about Loki. They've got this hard-on for Lokis specifically for some reason, and I wonder <laughs> if the reason, the, the sacred timeline, the timeline they're working towards, is the timeline where that specific Loki makes it to the end of all time as the ruler of of the TVA and therefore the ultimate power because he has that moment now where he's standing in front of the uh the control room and he's in awe like he he pretty much drops the tesseract and he's like is this the greatest power in the universe and i right, wonder right, if that's right. more uh important than perhaps they've let on I do now. The question that I have about all of this hmm. is the sacred Loki's place on the sacred timeline ends with him being murdered by Thanos, oh, and a part point. of me doesn't see how that is a part of any version of Loki's master plan to craft a sacred timeline where they yeah. have to die. Then now I'm not saying it, it's not. I just think that that is interesting or weird and certainly things that i thought were true mm. earlier in the season have turned out to not be true almost again and again and again on the show which i think is really exciting 
Um, and, you know, we didn't point this out, but we were also dead wrong because we had all these theories about how Loki and Sylvie were were doing Loki stuff and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> tricking each other and, and lamenting. And, and it was, was all just straight up. They, that was very genuine, yeah. seems, from both of them. Yeah, it's just genuinely straight up, like, oh, we haven't got a plan. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I, I guess one way to get out of jail free on the whole um, preserving a timeline where he gets his ne- neck snapped by Thanos could possibly be the fact that and like again going back to the comic books lady loki originally her entire origin was the that basically um the people of asgard were trying to resurrect lady sif they created a vessel for her and loki stole the body and essentially used lady sif's reincarnation vessel as a vessel for his own reincarnation um then becoming her reincarnation it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could still see a reincarnation story down the line um because it's happened in the comic books it could happen in real life so just because loki dies in the prime timeline at the hands of thanos doesn't necessarily mean that he stays dead in the prime timeline like you know the prime timeline could very well be in order for me to be reincarnated i have to die and so i need to make sure that i get my neck snapped and that i don't escape in 2012 and all of this stuff um so you're saying that the person behind all of this is jamie alexander as loki <laughs> yes that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, That'd be fucking crazy. <laughs> that, it would be pretty cool, though, right? Um, yeah. Uh, my my not so serious answer, which I really should have led with, because this is no way to end an episode. But um, Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> that is certainly a theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a way to introduce a character, um, either that or Lyca the space dog. Um, I, I, if I know anything, Cosmo? it's that um, Cosmo. I don't know. I can't remember. I thought it was Leica that they sent up in the uh, in the satellite, but it might be Cosmo. I'm not sure. It's Cosmo. Cosmo. Fair enough. I like. I know my space dogs better than I do my Marvel space dogs. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I can't wait. Supposedly, I mean, I feel like this has happened with every Marvel show where we have gotten episode numbers that are that are like, oh, this is a good episode. Yeah. Uh, the the thing the whole time has been that episode four and five are really great episodes. Um, and so I'm very excited for this week's episode. And then um, I am just hoping that the finale isn't bad. Because that has been the case the last two shows, yeah. where the finale has been the weakest episode, I think. So I, and and you know, I think I've been thinking a lot about how much I loved WandaVision, and I think my problem with the WandaVision finale is that it seems like it was uh, has been heavily affected by the COVID nineteen pandemic and the way that it was shot and finished and filmed hmm. and edited, and that's the thing that bums me out. It feels like there's stuff that should have been in the episode that wasn't for some reason. Yeah. Um, that was the thing that bummed me out about the end of the episode. I think everything else was great. Um, and then Falcon and Wonder Soldier just was kind of weird. There was good stuff in it, but it, it, it kind of felt like a weird ending to me. Yeah. Um, but, hey, this is the first show where we've gotten 
a mid credit scene three episodes out. So maybe that breaks the, you know, we've already broken the sacred timeline of the MCU TV shows. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> so maybe this is the one that breaks the curse and maybe. and maybe finally we'll get a good finale episode. Maybe. And you know, like it, it's, it's not uh, unusual for Marvel to go back and uh, edit the final episode of a show. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently they're fine with that. I, I still I, don't know if that's just someone being overactive in their imagination. Cause I've seen the video. I'm not, I mean, it, it's I'm not definitely convinced. different. I just don't know how, I just don't know why they did it. I think that's the weird, that's the big question. It looks like a color change, like a, a tone change. Like they've used gradient I, to change the, well, they've definitely, they've added more trees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which is weird. Uh, but I think a part of, <laughs> not a, a if you like trees, thinks, the, I think the theory somebody put forward was that it might be because there's going to be a sequence of Doctor Strange that takes place in, a, in the forest behind the cabin or something. Uh, and so they were like, let's add more trees because there's not enough trees in the shot. Gotcha. So if people go back and watch it, it'll, it'll be better continuity. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes any sense. That could make sense because a lot of people are saying, oh, I see Doctor Strange's spectral form. And I'm just like, I really don't right. see it. That's to be not- fair... I've not gone back and watched it on Disney Plus, so I've not seen the, it in 4K. The spectral form, the spectral form is there, but it, it's been pointed out that it is an editing mistake because they edited uh, a light source out um, of the window, and and that is in the spot where that edit is. So they just kind of left it in the frame the whole time, which okay. they made a mistake in doing then they added more trees and then they also removed the there was like ducks in the shot and they removed the ducks and i don't know why they did those things it's very weird why have they got but that is that is what they did and i don't know why they did it but they did do it <laughs> so, i mean clearly uh, clearly it's saying. because they wanted to get out of the way of the uh, the reboot of fly away home which will be coming to disney plus in 2023 they should do that. They that's probably should do idea. that, actually. It was a pretty good film. Anyway, um, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We have, as always, mm-hmm. gone very long on a show that was about half the length of the podcast. But uh, yeah. there was Can't so much to talk about. Can't wait for next episode. Super pumped about yes, it. Yes, really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to um, maybe not having any more Loki to watch for a while. But certainly, I'm really looking forward to finishing episode six and getting some questions answered. We'd probably get some. Well, and then next I'm week. excited. We're gonna get what if next month? I think. Oh yeah, with just ten episodes. Awesome! I'm really looking forward to that so as well. I am. I'm excited for that, and then we'll get. Well, then we'll get Hawkeye, and then we'll get. Oh man, Marvel. they keep coming, don't they? We got yeah, a lot of shows and a lot of movies. Holy hell! Um, Disney Plus really is wow. like we're not sponsored by Disney Plus. We don't get free passes or anything like that from them. Um, but it really is the service that just keeps on giving at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, because that's not even including the the Star Wars stuff we're going to get this year too. Oh God, yeah. So, oh man, a lot of lot. I really like that Disney Plus is now finally starting to be because at first it really was like, oh, there's a season of Mandalorian once every year. But if you you know you include that and High School Musical, the series which people really like, and a couple of these other shows, they're starting to get to the point where they've got a couple of shows running at the same time and. Mm. Uh, uh, overlapping where one ends and you get another one soon so the slate is, uh, is getting pretty crowded yeah uh so i am uh i'm very excited to see what comes next here and uh i do think that we're gonna see at the end of episode six i think we're gonna see the the uh timeline broken i think 
I don't know what's going to happen, but it certainly seems like we are moving towards a multiverse, and I am very excited to see that happening. And mm. and I, I I think it's it's pretty interesting. I think somebody was like somebody pointed out that they were like, well, it really feels like um, Black Widow is going to be the last thing for a while where the MCU isn't just absolutely batshit insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely pretty much sh- everything on the table coming up is like, oh, things are about to get real weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure that the the site of uh, Captain Soviet Union is uh, is is not going to be batshit insane, right? You know, in his out of shape form, and it's David Harbour playing him, isn't it? I love David yeah. Harbour; he's so good, especially when he plays these gruff, overweight characters. So. Yeah, looking forward to that. But uh, well, are we going to talk? Well, that's actually that's next week. Are we going to? Are we going to talk about Black Widow? Um, it depends whether I get out to see it at cinemas. Um, right. I I can I I think it's safe for me to do so now. Um, the big question is whether I can find the opportunity to. Um, but obviously, if, if right. I do manage it, then we'll schedule well, something. I'll, I'll be I'll be seeing it immediately. So we'll we'll yeah. go ahead and say that if if Dave gets a chance to see it, we'll talk about it. Cool. And if not, you can give your general impressions on it without any spoilers anyway. And maybe that will convince a few people to go and watch a movie that, to be fair, I've not seen a massive amount of hype for it just because of the nature of what it is. It's an in-between story, doesn't have any bearing on the future because we know what ends up happening to her. I would like well, it to. Does, I would like it, it to be people the people have who have Florence seen it have Pugh said that there is some things that have bearings on the future. Oh, okay. But, I mean, I, I would like uh, to see Florence those are the Pugh stuff come that they in. Can't talk about in reviews. Okay, like the the introduction of Florence Pugh is always going to be a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. Right, that is a big thing, and she's supposedly supposed going to be a big part going forward of the MCU. So that's exciting. I hope so. Like, if she wanted to take up her sister's mantle, then I don't think many people would necessarily be. Uh, opposed to that so we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. but yeah so uh episode five will be this time next week and uh then i i guess we'll possibly keep the train rolling with what if um i don't know if we'd necessarily do it week on week uh it might be a case of doing maybe i don't know that might be a good one because they're self-contained they might that might be a good one to do week by week yeah because then we can just talk about the story because it won't it won't be like one big overarching thing that's true but we'll 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 still go long maybe we'll maybe we'll double up maybe we'll do them every other week or something i don't know it will depend on scheduling i imagine yeah um but yeah so thank you everyone for listening to what is now one hour and 25 minutes of uh, review uh, <laughs> material for a show which definitely didn't like go that long. like a 48-minute long show. <laughs> I know, right? It's man- it's mental. But there was so much to talk about. So, uh, again, thank you very much for watching, everyone. Uh, watching, thank you very much for listening. Sorry, I'm in YouTube mode here for some reason. Uh, until this time next week, take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.